talking's about to stop and the action about to begin. Round one of the 2024 World Rally Championship is now just days away. The 92nd edition of Rally Monte Carlo begins on Thursday and ends on Sunday. So we've plenty to talk about and I've gathered a panel of experts and me to do so. Welcome to the Benoya Rally Podcast, welcome to the Rally Monte Carlo preview episode and welcome back as always, Rob Hansford. Good afternoon, you alright? How are you? Not too bad, mate. It's a longer intro than I thought, actually. I've written it out, trying to be all professional, but I almost got out of breath doing that, which isn't really ideal. It says a lot <laughs> about my current levels of fitness, doesn't it? But <laughs> more than anything else. It says else. a lot about your excitement as well for the, uh, for the Open It does. Season. Far too excited. But I'm even more excited to say that it's not just Rob and I with you this week, not just the two Manoia guys wittering on. We do have more of a qualified expert to talk us through various things in the form of WRC2 driver Josh McElwain. Josh, thanks ever so much for your time. Welcome to the podcast. Just to give us all a bit of a flavour of your international superstar status just now, paint us a picture of where you're currently sat at the moment. <laughs> Good afternoon, gentlemen. It's uh, it's great to be on. A new thing. Um, so yeah, I'm sitting on the airport in Stockholm going to the, the ever so fascinating Below Zero in Sweden to, to do some coaching. So yeah, it's all go. You haven't just suddenly got confused about round two of the WRC, have you, in Sweden? Gone around, around early? Yeah, around early, yeah. Maybe I'll not make it either, but hey, it's good practice <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've gathered to talk a bit, obviously, about the opening round of the season. We'll get a little bit onto Josh's plans as well. I've not actually briefed him too much, so I don't know how much he can necessarily spill, so we'll try and get something out of him. But boys, I think the only place to start, and it's getting me excited as we've already covered, is what I've called in my little running order Monty Magic. I think it's the only way we can describe the Monte Carlo Rally. Obviously, it's the first round of the season, so that creates its own level of intrigue. But Rob, there's always something special about this one, regardless of whenever it ran. It's just that good a rally. Yeah, it's it's so iconic, isn't it? You know. You even go back to the pictures, you know, from from years gone by to you know sixties and seventies. It's just it's one of those rallies that always sticks out in your mind with the mountains in the background, the snow. It's got a bit of everything, hasn't it? Yeah, I think people always tend to associate this one with the snow and ice. But as I've been learning through playing a bit of gaming recently, actually, if you take <laughs> it as dry tarmac, the, <laughs> these stages are difficult enough as it is. But Josh, you've obviously done this rally last year your one and only time it was a dry monty for you last year i think one of the driest monties we've had in ages but from your side was that a blessing or were you sad you didn't get to experience all the ice chaos uh, you could say both um i think monty in general is a tough rally from a from a driving point of view uh the tarmac roads there is quite unique from themselves you could say they're a bit like home where, where i'm from in ireland but uh yeah the mountains the landscape the, the tricky conditions even in the surface changes is is uh, ca- character building in its own but I think without snow it, it doesn't uh, provide the proper monthly atmosphere the, the challenges it can bring but it was probably a blessing for me in, in my first year heading up towards all uh, the training <laughs> Well it has to be said the forecast at the minute is looking quite varied and mixed I think rain seems to be on the cards rather than snow so i guess the question of whether some of the snow will melt we've seen all the the footage from testing where a lot of the guys have experienced some snow on the road so you should be prepared for for anything but josh just for a bit of context and i might be doing you a bit dirty here but is it fair to say that 
coming into the Monty last year, you kind of understood how difficult it was given the difficulties, should we call them, of the event you ended up having? There's no doubt about it. Even a, a dry Monty, it was it was super difficult for us. Um, going there for the first time with no experience of having a written up crew, trying to build that whole aspect of the event together and trying to create a relationship with with them guys. We had John Armstrong and Brian Howe are two, two very experienced um, competitors. Uh, we, we were fortunate enough to have them on board and uh, I think that element alone brings a lot of new things to, to rallying within within the sport in general, within the World Championship. So, uh, yeah, we were, let's say, Monty Virgins last year and uh, it was definitely a baptism of fire. You know, I'm going off a little bit off-piste already, but just talking about Rutno Cruise, I guess one of the, I say biggest changes, probably isn't one of the biggest changes, but it's certainly a significant change for... For this year in WRC two is that you're actually as Rally Two competitors going to be allowed the use of Route Note Cruise on events beyond Monty. So without talking too much about what you may or may not be doing, um would I be right in assuming you may or may not be doing some tarmac rallies this year in WRC two? So would that be is that a good move, do you think? Is that gonna help you guys a lot in, in that category to have the use of Route Note Cruise? I think it's definitely the right direction. Um coming off the back of Central Europe where we we done the event and uh, yeah you could say it was quite dangerous in places not having not having the Rootnet crew obviously we did the the recce and dry and then the rally got very wet in the middle um, and yeah the pollution in the road was was quite hard to predict during recce but even on second passes where you were through the first pass it got it got worse and uh, having that confidence and having that reassurance from a Rootnet crew I think provides a lot of uh stability going into this stage because yeah sometimes it was getting quite sketchy from from all the crews you look at Mikkelsen and Russell who were running first and second on the road with WRC2 and they they both crashed out because you could say it, they had no written out crew so I think it's uh, the right way yeah it's a funny one isn't it and I guess it's maybe hard for those of us like Rob and myself who don't compete to maybe fully compute the difference because flippantly you can say oh yeah you've got a recce so you've got pace notes just drive to them but you've made those pace notes assuming your stage is in a certain kind of condition if you have a quarter marked as a four and (laughs) and you come around it with everything else and it's going to have to be knocked off and various cautions and stuff so and if you, you could drive around slowly, is the counter-argument, but we've seen a lot of guys, and it's the entire reason why I've got a new point structure now in WRC, is to make things more exciting. So nobody wants to see you guys pulling around. So I would agree. Um, I know there's a, a small cost element involved in it, but I think realistically it, it makes a lot of sense. But we shall move back on track, boys. Apologies for that little diversion. On to <laughs> more Monte Carlo matters. Elvin Evans, I guess, is the man that will lead the drivers into Thursday night's stages. This week, courtesy of no Callie Rovenpera starting this one, which intriguingly is, a th- and again, if, if I could be wrong with this, but I'm sure it's the first time the reigning world champion hasn't started the first round for about 30 years. So it's quite momentous uh, to not have him here. Evans heads the list, but Rob, I've got a feeling it could be one of his teammates by the name of Sebastian Auger that's probably the favourite for this one. Yeah, although we said that last year, didn't we? And then he, he struggled a bit for a while um, at, to get going anyway. So, I mean, I know he ended up winning by, was it 18 seconds, 19 seconds, I think he won in the end by, didn't he? Um, I, it's in his home, it's in his home area, um, obviously up and gap. I, yeah, you, you can't put it past him, can you? 
but I I still I don't know I still got a sneaky suspicion that the Hyundai's might be uh, on top of them a Ooh. little bit more would be my my prediction. Even Monty, the rally that he's won nine times in the past and is yeah, seemingly I, I, I unbeatable. Yeah, I still think I still think OGA will win, but I don't think he'll necessarily have it completely his all all of his own. If that makes sense, I don't think he'll be dominating per se necessarily. Um, I think Hyundai's obviously seemed to, to make you know strides last year. Obviously, Tanax there. I yeah, the way the way Hyundai have put themselves together. We, we've said this before. They're they're in sort of like a prize position seat across the whole year, aren't they? Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see Hyundai running closer to OGA, but I I still think OGA will come out on top. Josh, what do you think? I think the Hyundai's definitely in a good shape with uh, the driver lineup, um, but you could never look past Sebastian Ogier in Monty. Um, he's an expert and he's been there, done it so many times. With even if the conditions do change, but I think with the unpredictability of their event, it's always going to be a hard one to choose. But I, I still wouldn't look past uh, Seb Ogier. Yeah, you're right to mention unpredictability, and it's a phrase we always kind of throw around with this rally, isn't it? But I think what makes it so beautiful, and we touched on it in the intro to this, is that it's just such a unique challenge. There isn't anything else like Monty on on the calendar. And then there's that added sort of unpredictability of the fact that, yes, okay, rallying doesn't have the same length of an off-season that, say, Formula 1 does. It's only a I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks in between since Rally Japan, so it's not that long for the guys to have anything different going on, but you have got that element of developments to cars, drivers learning new cars, so everything's a little bit more up in the air. The thing that strikes me with Oje, at least personally, is, as you both have said, he knows this rally better than any other. It's the one, if he could win any rally in the entire year, it's this one he wants to win. And we all know why he's still in the WRC, it's to win rallies. So it's not to question the motivation of others, but I think maybe compared to the likes of Evans, Tanak, Neville, who are looking at the longer game. They they need a good start to the year, but they're maybe not going to be as hell-bent on having first place at the end of it. So I think that gives Oje an edge. I think the fact he knows the car very well, he's come to where he is. And as you say, I don't know if moving to Gap will make too much of a difference because he knows the roads everywhere. But yeah, I'm really struggling. I want to say something interesting, but I'm really struggling to look past him as the potential winner. But we've, we've all kind of glossed over Elvin a little bit. I sort of started the pretext of that with him heading the entry list. He's had a mixed run at Monte Carlo in the past, I think it's fair to say. I seem to remember, I can't remember what year it was. It might have been 19, where he had that slightly scary shunt off the side of a bank. 2020 was very good on a show to debut. 2022 was up there until he obviously slid off. Last year, he was running second to OJ for a puncture, so very mixed bag. But I guess his job, really, is to try Rob and get ahead of the hind eyes, who you think are going to be a big challenge. Yeah, and that that's going to be his his, his main mission, isn't it, for the for, for Monty sticking ahead? I mean, um, he he's another one that, you said that hind eyes coming in, obviously, on the back of a good run of momentum, but but so is Elvin in the sense of he's he's sorted it. He seems to have sorted himself out with with the Yaris, hasn't he? Now he's he's got to grips with it. Um, you know that's why he ran Calais right to the end um, in terms of finishing runner up. But I, yeah, I he needs to make sure that he has a clean run, doesn't he? But I think as he's proven so many times, he's consistent. So I'm, I'm not necessarily going to be expecting him to win stage after stage after stage. But I. 
I suspect that he'll be he'll be up there, won't he, for, for the majority of the rally. He should be. He should be. But what also intrigues me with Elvin is this is, I guess, the the first chapter of his new beginning. And that sounds far too like a movie trailer. So maybe I'll dumb that down a little bit. But he he's in this position now where I think everybody's looking at him and thinking, right, mate, this is your chance. If you want to win a world championship, you're probably not going to have many better shots at it than this. So I think, I don't expect he's going to be putting himself under that pressure, but I can already guarantee that there will be those whether they're asking him directly or whether it's just subliminal, I think there will be those questions starting to hang out over him, particularly if the start of the season doesn't go well. Josh, I don't want to sort of decry anything you've done in a rally car in the past. It's not quite been at the level that Elvin's at, but what's it like as a driver when you head into these events with, do basically, do you pay attention to what anybody's saying about you about pressure or do you, can you ignore it? Can you completely block all that out, or will that do you think have some sort of effect on the way he approaches this one? Yeah, I think Elton's a, a guy of his own own word and own mind. Um, if anyone, I would say he's the one that probably blocks social media out the most. Uh, you don't see him, <laughs> you don't see him on it much, and uh, yeah, I think he's got the capability to do that, and he's rightly right to do that as well because I think he's going into a new season with a big opportunity of. Well, how many times has he came second in the championship now? He's got the experience. He knows how how to go about it. So, yeah, I've got a lot of confidence that he could, could take the title this year. Hey, Josh, can you, can you see anyone um, trying to make a bit of a statement? Because we, we obviously keep saying it's, you know, Elvin's best chance to, to win a title. But as obviously it's, you know, Tanak's best opportunity to get a second title. It's, it's Newville's best opportunity to, to get a title under his belt. Do, do you think either or any of those three are going to make or could make a statement um from the off could you see that happening do you do you think they would would, would do that or do you, do you think they'll just try and play it as normal I, I think everyone wants to start the year on a positive note um going into the new point system as well there's a lot lot to be said by looking at what what sort of tactics you play come sunday because you could be leading this Saturday, or leading come Saturday night, and then someone takes off on Sunday and gets another what thirteen points or twelve points going to be. So, yeah, it's hard to know what way they're going to play it. But I think everyone wants to start the season off well. Okay, the conditions and what Monday can do can play a part in that there. But yeah, I think everyone's got a clean sheet, and they'll they'll be going for it from from the word go. I guess nobody knows the importance of that more than. Oit Tanak, who in his three, yeah, I was doing the maths there and a very awkward bit live on air, but in his three Montes behind, I has never come away with it with any points. So obviously last year with M Sport, he, he did correct that. But I think for him, I'm sure he's not the kind of guy. In fact, I know he's not the kind of guy who's going to look at that and think it's a jinx. But it's an interesting one. Obviously, it's, it's, as I say, it applies to everyone, but I think for Tanak, he knows that if he's going to have a really good season this year, he's going to win that championship. He wants to be doing better than he has done in the past in Monty, and a lot of the times, actually, it was quite unfortunate um, what's happened to him. I think there was one year with the punctures, wasn't it, on the road section. One was a very, very innocuous sort of sliding on ice into a bank. The other was a, <laughs> a bit of an airplane crash. But, yeah, he's one that knows, I guess the other side of the equation of how it's really not good to not have a good start to the year because you end up chasing your tail rob yeah you what as we said before once you start to get into that that spiral you it's 
it gets harder and harder to keep out of it, doesn't it? So you don't you don't want to be there in the first place. So uh, I think it's important for everyone to try and have a, a clean rally. Um, as I say, you know, it's it's not all done and dusted at the first event, isn't it? You've, you've got a whole year's worth of uh, events to go and tackle. So, um, yeah, I don't suppose anyone will want to be doing anything totally outlandish. But as just, we said, with, with this new point system, if um, there's something available come Sunday, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of drivers trying to, trying to put their foot down and, and make a bit of a marker. Josh, do you expect Oi to find things more difficult maybe than Elvin and Thierry given he's driving a different car to last year or the fact he's driven this in the past I know it's been developed since he last drove it but do you think that makes this a bit easier for him than say his teammate Mickelson who's never driven rally one before or he at least has some base experience of this car from the past should that make the transition easier yeah it should do um oh it's got a lot of experience from from jumping into new cars he's done it most seasons now so uh yeah I think having past experience of Hyundai okay it's maybe a different sort of uh, management going into the team and, and that sort of thing but the cars the base of the car is the same from from the last time he drove it and uh, yeah the guys have been working on it a lot from from last year even uh, looking at the pre-event test and you can see it's maybe came on it even a bit further so yeah I think uh, it has got the experience okay over Mickelson but uh, Mickelson's a fast guy in Monte Carlo as well and uh He's produced a lot of very good performances last year in WRC too, so he's he's a dark horse. That's that's <laughs> for sure. But um, yeah, I, I, you can't write off out either. I think yeah, one of my friends sent me a betting link the other day. I think he's six to one to win. So uh, if I was a betting man, I'd put money on it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember? Was that for the was that for the rally or for the championship as a whole? Yeah, that, that that was for the rally. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, I might consider that. <laughs> but you touched on, or we both touched on, Mickelson there as well. Bit of a sub-question, Josh. This is somebody that competed against him in the last couple of years in a Rally 2 car. Because we all look at his stage times and we know how accomplished he is, how polished he is. It's the rally management for me that's really impressive. He just knows what to do and when to do it and when he needs to push, when he doesn't need to. How difficult is he to beat? Like, how, how formidable is that as a combination to come up against somebody that seems to just have everything under control? Yeah, I think from from his past seasons in WRC2, how he's won the championship against ex-Rally 1 drivers as well. They've been there, they've tried to beat him and uh, Greece last year was was the most impressive thing from from the first day to the to the final day. He, he had two punctures or three punctures, I think, in the first day and to come back stage win after stage win and to win the rally was was so impressive like I think that's probably why he's in that seat now is because his rally management how you can do it and uh, I think Hyundai probably want a third driver that can can manage that yeah I have to say I'm really quite intrigued to see what he'll do this year I I mentioned it in our uh, season preview podcast but I do think it's still quite ironic that he's labelled the, the asphalt, well he's not labelled it but he's essentially implied to be the asphalt expert and it's, it's the one surface he really struggled with when he was last with Hyundai which I know as I said before it's different, the car is different now but I do still think there's a, a great slice of, of irony in that but I do have a really sort of strong feeling he's going to make this year work for him I guess the challenge in, in Monty 
and I guess it does work in an interesting way. We talked about Tanak and his familiarity with the car that he maybe has over Andreas. But Rob, I guess the advantage Mickelson does have, particularly if Monty turns out to be icy and snowy, is that it's not really a rally that's too much about the car. Yes, obviously it has its impact, but the driver can make a difference when things get difficult, which will help a driver who's still learning his machine for the year. Yeah, I think that'll give him... It will level a playing field out for him, won't it? Um, <clears throat> he, he, as you say, it's the driver can have you know make a bit more of an input, and there is that unpredictable and um, lack of uh, there's predictability. Uh, sorry, a lack of predictability. Hang on, I'm getting my words here confused. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's unpredictable, isn't it? You know, into what can happen. There's there's potential for issues, potential for um, you know people to, to run into problems but it's it's also in the driver's hands of being able to sort of yeah work that car to to their liking you know performance isn't an outright an outright uh, factor in this so i i think it's a, it's a good rally for, for mickelson to be starting i i do you know what i i, I think mickelson will do well this weekend yeah so do i I've got a funny feeling he will. Um, it's hard to know, isn't it? It's like, who's going to have a, a problem? But I just can't see that happening to Andreas. Uh, I'm going to touch wood and hope that's not a massive jinx for him. But yeah, I think he, the way he's approaching things now, like everything almost feels like a bonus. I think that the birth of his of his son two years ago, never in 24, I think that's made a big difference to the way he approaches stuff as well, which I think we can see. Sorry, is that someone you, you chiming in? No, I was going to say. I think you can also see the. I reckon the pressure might be released for Mickelson now that he's, you know, he's been desperate to get back to the top level, um, and it's finally happened. So um, there'll be a bit of a, a crest of a wave to be on right now for a little while. That's true. That is very true. He will, of course, line up with co-driver Torsten Eriksson as always joining Neville and Tanak in the Monte Carlo lineup. Over at Toyota, we have Evans. Ogier and Takamoto Katsuta we haven't talked about yet and Josh I kind of wanted to come to you for this because his right hand man Aaron Johnson is somebody you know very well he sat with you Christ how many years ago is it now I'm thinking <laughs> back in the... yeah well it's not ages it was some years ago <laughs> but 2018. they're a pit 2018 okay yeah I, I won't yeah so we... I'm trying to think you, you'd have been under t- were you 19 then, Josh? Uh, 18, 19, yeah. yeah. Bloody hell. There you go, we're all getting <laughs> old. But <laughs> they, they are a pairing that I think really impressed last year, particularly, it has to be said, in in Japan. The, the weekend that sort of was but wasn't in terms of the performance but the result not coming with it. I think Taka's got a very interesting year ahead of him personally because it's... <sighs> I don't know how to word it, and that no one's really got too much expectation on him. No one's expecting him to be fighting for a championship, which he's actually one of the drivers that isn't one of the best chances to theoretically, because he's one of the few that's actually doing a full-time campaign. But there's none of that. I think he obviously has to do a job for his team, but then he's got his two world champion teammates dipping in and out to to help with that. So I guess he's just got another opportunity to show what he can do, develop. For me, Josh... And this is where I'm trying to get with the question. That's a lot of context beforehand. But I think the way he's approached his rallying has been very good. And we are... It's maybe not been the quickest progression compared to some, but he's not going backwards. He's constantly, every year, going forwards. And I think 
all the work that him and Aaron are putting in is really starting to pay off. Without doubt, uh, Japan, I think, was a, a perfect example of that to win, what, 11 stages or something. Was uh, a credit to them and the team because, okay, the first stage didn't go so well, but to bounce back from that there and, and set the times they did, okay, you can say he's from Japan, he might know the stages and, th- and so on, but, yeah, the man lives in Finland. He's, uh, he's more finished than he is Japanese and he's he's got a very good opportunity ahead of him this year with, with Arne as well and... Uh, to be one of four drivers full time in the World Championship is a lot to be said for. And if he plays his cards right, there's there's no doubt he could be on the podium a lot this year and uh, potentially even get his first win. Do you think that's a target for them to try and win a rally? It's got to be, isn't it? I think every 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 driver wants to win a rally. There's no doubt about that. But he has the pace to do it. We've seen it in Japan and, and Finland and the likes of the fast rallies as well. So there's uh, I've. Yeah, I think he, he's got a lot of potential to do it this year. You kind of did me there, so thanks for that. You exposed my <laughs> awful question, but yes, I go on, Rob. <laughs> no, I was just going to ask us, I mean, how, how do you think we're doing, Monty? Because obviously last year he had a bit of a difficult time, didn't he? He was struggling to sort of keep keep the pace with the front runners. It's difficult to know. Um, it depends how his preparations went. I'm not sure. I haven't been talking to Arne after his test, but yeah, they've been working a lot. I know over the over the winter to obviously step up another level. And uh, again, Monty's a difficult one to try to predict. But uh, he's if he can take his form from Japan and take it across the Monty. Okay, they're not too dissimilar in. Okay, they're both tarmac rallies. Uh, okay, you could say they're very different. <laughs> but uh, if he can take that tarmac form to Monty and, and build that there, he's in with a good chance. But yeah, there's still a lot of fast guys there coming from Sebojian and Elfin to, to use as a benchmark. But if he can do that properly, he'll, he'll learn a lot and uh, not be that far away at the end if he keeps it clean. The one team that I think we do need to mention is the one that i think everyone seems to almost forget could actually be a contender is m sport ford now it's a funny one this for me because toyota and hyundai obviously the stronger teams in terms of their their wealth and their resources but and i guess the driver lineups are stronger but m sport for me can still spring a surprise particularly adrian formal and actually in formal's case i think particularly monte carlo as well has traditionally been one of his really strong events there was obviously the the mishap in 22 which was quite a big and scary accident what happened to him there but he was running i think in fourth overall before it happened so very capable of springing a surprise i had the chance to to catch up with adrian at the autosport international show the other week so if anybody hasn't read that piece on the website i please would encourage that you do which sounds like a bit of a brag but actually (laughs) i think it was really quite interesting how open he was about where he's progressed since his last rally one season in 2022 um it's easy to look at it at the start of the year and obviously at the minute he's riding a bit of a crest of a wave given how strong he was in rally two it's a, a different level stepping up to rally one but rob for me i think formal has to be the ultimate dark horse for particularly monty but potentially the season i wouldn't say he's one to be in the drivers' championship fight, but he's got a full-time campaign ahead of him, capable of some very good things, I think. Yeah, he has to obviously prove that he has learned from those mistakes from obviously a couple of years ago in in uh, the Rally One car. But I, 
on the basis he has, then yes, I, I think you're, you're you're correct. I mean, that that Puma, we all know, it's, it's not a, it's not a slouch, is it? You know, it's one rallies. It is. It can be fast in the right conditions. Um, so I think you know, given some of the flashes of pace that he was showing, bef- you know, before he ran into the problems where he, he ran in that string of accidents, you know, he he can definitely put himself up there. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't at all be surprised to see him on the fringes of some some really really great results uh, over the course of the year. Um, yeah, as you say, he he has all the ingredients there to be a dark horse, doesn't he? I think so. Uh, Josh, you yourself, I guess, have been through less of a high-profile rough patch, but you've been through a rough patch in your career. How impressed are you with the way that Adrian has managed to bounce back from that and sort of reverse the tide of his career and become this this force again? To to come from what he's done and to get back in a rally one seat is a credit in his own. Uh, The year he had last year winning the British Championship and then obviously the the good performances he had in the Rally 2 uh, car in the World Championship was was definitely nothing to be to be uh, slated off. So, yeah, to get back in that position is is very impressive. And I think going into Monty, he's he's very fast there. He's got the experience of the event. He knows how to drive that car even on that event. And yeah, the first year these cars came out, he was one of the fastest guys up called a trainee and. Okay, it didn't last so long, but I think he can take a lot of confidence from that there going into this year. And knowing the Puma can still win from from White last year is is definitely a good thing. And uh, yeah, I think he might have less pressure off from going into this year. He doesn't have a high profile profile teammate to to bench himself off. So it's uh, yeah, maybe a more relaxed Adrian going into this event. To it'll be interesting to see how how he performs. Yeah, I think so. It's obviously not strictly true, but I don't think M Sport could really lose this weekend because, as we say, no one's really talking about them as the massive contender. So all they can really do is do better than everybody and perhaps they themselves are expecting. I think it'll be an interesting weekend for for Mill's teammate, though, Gregoire Munster, who did get two opportunities in this car last year. One on tarmac, one on gravel, but now he's got a full 13-round campaign ahead of him so a bit of a different learning curve but interesting preparation for this is is that for me i'm sure what has to be record in this current state of rally ones twos and threes because i haven't been around that long but he drove three different classes of car last year in the world championship so he's been doing plenty of different things that (laughs) should actually get him ready for this i'm quite curious personally to see his approach particularly at monte carlo where he hasn't got to impress maybe in the same way that he did before. He can just do his own thing and bed himself in. Rob, what do you think we can expect from Munster, particularly this weekend in Monty? I think he'll be cautious, but I think he'll be methodical in his approach would be my my prediction. I was, I was looking actually back through his stage times from, from last year's Monty and you know where he was kind of stacking up in the order. Um as the rally went on and you can see he sort of had a bit of a, a slow start I think you know he was like 14th from WRC2 by um, the end of the first stage and 12th by, by the end of that Friday night but he slowly put, crept up the order um, and put put himself I think it was 8th he ended up finishing the rally in, uh, in WRC2 last year so it was a methodical approach kept himself reasonably out of trouble I would not be surprised to take to see him take a, a, 
a similar tact with it this time around. Josh, you I don't know how well you got to know him, but at a time you were both, and I'm going to get this right, Hyundai Cusper Racing Junior Drivers? Is that the correct way to say it? <laughs> Hopefully it is, but you, you you were both part of that programme. I don't know if that enabled you to become particularly close with, with Gregoire or not, but what if it was you in his position going into this year, how would you approach it with a full campaign ahead of you? I think a steady start is always a good way to start especially with your debut season in a full full rally one campaign um he's got a lot of rallies ahead this year to prove himself properly let's say but uh yeah it's about managing the whole championship there's 13 rounds of a wrc campaign and from a personal point of view how he manages that and how he deals with that from travel to preparing for for events is there's a lot to be said for proper preparation in that so yeah it's his first time doing it and uh i think he's learned a lot over this past few years from driving even a rally three car rally two cars and now a rally one so yeah i know gregor quite well we actually competed in the safari classic there in december together and uh you know we've had a few few good times together and uh he's a good guy so uh, yeah i think a steady start will definitely be a, a good way to start off debut season and rally one i'm glad you mentioned the safari classics i was going to get to that in a little bit because i know you had a, a quite interesting event um particularly with who was sitting in the car with you sadly didn't quite go to plan the whole way did it so there's definitely stories there but before we get there it would be remiss of us not to talk about the wrc 2 battle this weekend and i don't know if i I've just been spoiled in the past with how good things have been, but I'm almost a little bit kind of, not unexcited, but a bit sort of, it's not like a huge, it, uh, there's going to be big hitters this year. They're not all competing in the class in Monty, I think is how I want to say it. We do have Solberg and Piari, but they're not challenging for points. So I guess the main expected contenders for the season are probably the two Citroen drivers in Rossell and Gryzen. Those two obviously had a... <laughs> quite controversial battle I think last year that came down to a stewardism and a half second win for Rossell. Rob I think we take a bit of that this year wouldn't we? Yeah it would be a nice spicy way to start the year wouldn't it um, but I agree with you I think it's going to be the uh, the pair of them fighting it out for, for WRC to victory um, personally. I mean question for you though do, do you think it's a mistake from Solberg not to be scoring points on Monty or do you think he's made the right decision? For me? Yeah. Interesting one. I don't think it's a mistake, if I'm honest, because Monty's that difficult an event that you are kind of risking quite a lot. In If you're not fully confident, and it's not me suggesting that Solberg isn't, but if you're not 100% fully confident with everything and you can't nominate every round, then I think I can understand the logic in not going for this one. Um, but then the other way of looking at it, I guess, is he does have a layer of comfort that maybe some of his rivals don't have because he's not learning a car, which Gryzen is, which we know Piari is. Obviously, he's not scoring either, but when he's on top, it would be a good chance to, to actually make use of it. But I don't know. Um, I think that it is a strange position, though, the WRC finds itself in in that 
trying to explain this to potentially the more casual fans that there's this guy that's potentially doing really well in the Rally 2 class, but actually he's not that relevant to the narrative because he's not scoring points. It's a little bit messy, but then how else do they govern it? I don't know. And I'm going down a tangent. I don't want to lead myself down. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I can understand the thinking. Um, I suspect... Yeah, no, I, I can understand it. That would be the best way to put it. I won't say too much more before I start saying things that are controversial, but nah, I, <laughs> I, I, I totally get why he's done it. Um, but it is an interesting list of drivers, actually. There are a few that probably need to be mentioned. I think in particular, or particularly, sorry, Stefan Lefebvre, who was very quick last year at a Citroen. Obviously, the unknown with him is how good that Toyota is. Josh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, do you know how good the car is? Is anybody... Do you know anyone that's been giving you little hints about the speed of it, or are you just as in the dark as the rest of us about how quick this car is going to be this week? I have no idea. Um, I haven't honestly been talking to many people about it, uh, so I don't think anyone really knows. Okay, they've maybe back to back against Skodas and Citroens and and Hyundai's, but yeah, I th- it's hard even to say Monty's going to be a proper showing of how it is it's until you get into the more consistent rallies of maybe Portugal, Sardinia, where, yeah, the going might get, the going gets tough and, yeah, reliability and all sorts of things come into it. So, yeah, I've no doubt they've built a, a very good car. They, they're a world championship winning team. They know what to do. So, yeah, there's no doubt it's it's going to be good. But, yeah, the three-cylinder thing is quite interesting, in my opinion. It is, actually. And I think it gets overlooked quite a lot. Because um, I forgot about it, <laughs> so you just said that. Um, I was aware of it, but you forget about it. Um, of course, the, it, there is no nothing in the regulations that says you have to have a certain number of cylinders in your engine. So you're right. I think that is seeing how or where the peak power is and torque and everything compared to the others could be could be very interesting. Josh, out of that lot, who are going to be some of your rivals this year? Who do you think we should be looking at? Are, are Rob and I right to assume that? Rossell and Gryzen are probably the favourites? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, if you're probably looking at a dark horse, Pepe Lopez is, was very fast last year. Um, I think he finished third, WRC2 in a Hyundai. So, yeah, he's in Skoda this year. Um, Brian Buffet is also a, a Monte expert. I, he hasn't done so much in the past few years, so he's another dark horse that couldn't be overlooked. But in general, I'm actually quite surprised of how little WRC2 there is. I think everyone might be. And uh, if Solberg maybe realised that before, he might have elected to <laughs> score points. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. And I'm glad it's not just us. If, if you're saying that it's maybe not the biggest list, I don't feel too spoiled for it. <laughs> expecting too much from what's in there. Uh, but Josh, I think it's high time that we talk a little bit about your season as well. We know you're not going to be driving in Monte Carlo I don't know how much you can say but when can we expect to see you next out in a in a rally two car um obviously there's a lot of work going into getting one of these programs together um but our plan and hopes are to be in a WRC two campaign this year uh it won't start till later in the season maybe possibly Portugal but yeah there's a lot of things to be finalised yet so I'm sorry I can't really tell you that much at the moment That's <laughs> an interesting one for, from a, a sort of personal perspective though if if you have a few rallies where you're not competing what can you do to and I know it probably sounds really obvious but what can you do to actually keep yourself 
sharp and i guess this weekend you're oh sorry last weekend because we're recording a different time but you're you're out ice driving which is never a bad thing to do both from a an enjoyment perspective but also for just keeping you in a car but do you like study your opposition do you just keep looking at all the onboards do you have anything at home you can just sort of hoon about in what what do you do to keep yourself sharp when you're not competing car time driving times anything you can get your your hands on is is definitely a, a bonus yeah for example the ice driving is is very good about car control and yeah how not to do things maybe but uh i've got a cross car i use sometimes and uh yeah it keeps you sharp but yeah there's it's hard to beat the the real thing in competition in a rally two car because okay you could look at racing where where sim simulators are a big thing at the moment but i think rallying's got a, a small bit to go to get to that level um but yeah, analyzing events, looking at onboards, seeing how these guys are doing it is always is always a big part of it. And uh, hopefully, we can get behind them while we live a rally two car racing. Speaking of the the Porsche 911s, though, am I right in saying that you're and by the time this goes out, you'll have driven it? But your actual safari car is going to be there. Are you going to get to get behind the wheel of that and sort of reminisce in a very different environment, or do you not know yet? Yeah, so the the motor for Ireland livery car is is in below zero at the moment in Sweden. Uh, it's the car we did the safari in. So yeah, I spent nine days in it. I think I did more rallying in it last year than I did in a, a rally two car over the <laughs> course of the season. But uh, yeah, it's good fun. It was an incredible experience, nothing I've ever done before, and yeah, to be in a rear wheel drive classic in them types of environments is is something to be said for you obviously did that with john Coyne, didn't you who is one of the key supporters behind the the motorsport island railway academy which which you're obviously part of you and john were am i right saying you were meant to share driving duties he wasn't meant to be constantly the co-driver you were meant to swap around but it didn't quite go as planned unfortunately did it uh, yeah, so we were meant to dual drive. It's an event you can actually switch between co-driver and driver to to drive the event. Um, so that was the plan at the start. I think we got to day three, and yeah, unfortunately John took took sick and uh, had to step aside. Another benefit, let's say, of the event is that you can actually switch co-drivers halfway through it because of the endurance of it. And uh, yeah, Owen Tracy from the Motors for Ireland Rally Academy stepped in and. We finished the the nine days. We had a ball, and uh, I think John enjoyed it as well because it's an experience to travel around that country in itself, and uh, to do it in that uh, type of way is is incredible. And uh, we had a lot of fun. We had good good time. Uh, some fastest stage times as well, but yeah, we had some trouble with the car and and the likes. But uh, yeah, if I ever got the opportunity to get out, yeah, jump at it. How long did it take you to recover from that? Nine days of... And it, and it's not like, yes, people get days in rallying, but it, they're longer days than you do in a normal European competition as it is. Let alone the fact you've got so many of them in such a remote part of the world. So I think for us that haven't done it, it's incredibly hard to understand just how grueling that is. It's very grueling. Um, the longest stage is 140 kilometres. Your typical... Well, the longest stage in WRC last year was 50 kilometres in Sardinia. So... That's uh, kind of the resemblance of what the event's like. But then again, you go look at Dakar this week, and it's yeah, it's another another step up again. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you soon get soon get humbled by what you've done. 
How fun was it though? Just in terms of a a cultural experience, maybe compared to what international European WRC ERC rallying is like. This obviously is different in the, it's not a championship. You're not in a very different car, but just everything around it beyond the competition. How different an experience was that to be out there? I think Kenya itself is is a very different place in general. Um, to go to them places to see the people, see how they can use the resources they have to to even live is is quite humbling for me. And I've never been there before, so to to go there to get to see that, yeah, you, you realise how lucky you are in some extent. And uh, but to be driving the cars there, that the people get a lot from that as well because some of them obviously haven't seen general cars, never mind rally cars before. So you can see how happy they are, and uh, yeah, whenever they're happy, it makes you happy. And uh, that's uh, that's probably one of the most daunting things from from my experience there is the people and how how happy they are. Yeah, not very good. Very good indeed. Have to say, it's one of those that I've always had on my radar. It's like I'd love to try and to get any rally, whether it's the classic or it's the the modern incarnation of of the safari. Either or would be great to go out and just experience that way of way of life because it's what makes rallying so so great for me. Is that you really are genuinely touching these communities. You're not just buried in the corner with ticketed access. You are right there in the middle of it, which is quite crazy when you think about it but to steer us a little bit away from the african savannah and back to the french alps and monte carlo done, done my usual um predictions and i'm not going to go too far with it because there's actually going to be a bit of a, a new concept coming up so make sure you are subscribed to manoya on youtube for that but i'm simply going to ask you and rob i've kept you quite longer so i'm going to come to you first pure and simply who is going to win the monte carlo rally this year I think we said it earlier. It's, it's, it's Ogier, isn't it? Yeah, we sort of teased that a bit. Josh, if I can come <laughs> to you for the same question. Um, I'm just I'm going to go different and go uh, Elton Evans. Okay, good. Because I, I want to go Ogier, but I was going to have to go different if he didn't say <laughs> he said him as well. So that helps me out. But thanks, boys. That was that was good as always. That just about wraps us up. Thanks very much. To both of you, I guess, particularly you, Josh, in the middle of an airport transfer for, for your time, please make sure you are following Manoya across social media. That's at Manoya Official. And, of course, the website, manoyawatches.com, as the Monte Carlo rally unfolds. I'm buzzing, as I'm lucky enough to actually be going there for the first time this year. So, as you can imagine, I can't wait for that. But before we go, just a bit of a thank you, really from us for your support so far with this project rob and i have been talking about it for ages we never really knew obviously how it was going to be received and uh, <laughs> i don't know it's a weekend rob just a little word on i guess the, the support we've had i'm certainly very thankful that people seem to be buying into what we're doing which is good to know yeah yeah it's been it's been great to see the, the support uh, that, that we've had so far and just just thank you really it's um and, and don't be afraid to, to get in touch if there's any, any comments, any feedback, any ideas. Um, it's, it's what we want, isn't it? It's what we said from the start. You know, we want to want to create a community, not not just us pushing people, uh, pushing things in people's directions. So, um, but yeah, but no, thanks very much for, for for all of the support so far, and we can hope we can uh, keep providing some great content going forwards. 
that's it there is there is plenty more to come i've got lots of ideas but i need to actually try and make these ideas a reality now which is always the challenge in a sense but of course the first watches maverick and disruptor inspired by Subaru and mitsubishi's great group a rivalry are available to pre-order now so make sure you check them out at manoyawatches.com that's about all from us i think thanks very much for for listening we'll see you again next monday for the review podcast of rally monte carlo 